When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. and welcome to it's a fandom thing we are continuing my birthday month celebration with a look at my first favorite actor val kilmer val kilmer was my favorite actor in my teens preteens teens a big part of my adult years as well i think he is extremely talented extremely gifted and an extremely interesting actor to look at because of the way he approaches his craft And yes, there are tales that he is difficult. He could be difficult on sets. I think he probably would acknowledge that himself. He does talk about that a little bit in the fantastic documentary Val, which if you haven't watched that, go watch that on Prime. Even if you are not a Val Kilmer fan, I think you will appreciate it, especially if you're a film fan. And, you know, he was always filming constantly. And so it's amazing the footage you get of behind the scenes stuff on things he worked on. And it's narrated, um, of course, by his son, Jack, because Val Kilmer, if you didn't know, had throat cancer. And so he has to talk with like a little voice box thing. And so, which is very, very, very sad, you know, especially someone who has used their voice so much and so far and has such a distinct voice. I think I was really realizing that when I was looking back at his filmography and watching films, to prep for this is his voice is pretty distinct. So yeah, so his his son narrates that. And like I said when in our Depeche Mode episode, the thing that makes me cry so much about that documentary is his relationship with his children. He lives right next door to like his daughter. Like you see him preparing to go hang out with her and you know, and they open the door and there she is. She's just the door right next door. And I just think I just anytime I see really good fathers it makes me cry. So I really, really, really recommend watching that. Um, But if you don't know who Val Kilmer is, I I don't know how you do not know who Val Kilmer is. But Val Kilmer is an actor who was born on December 31st, 1959 in LA. He was for a time and then his record got beaten. He was known as the youngest actor to ever get accepted to Juilliard. Uh, And then that was beaten by Seth Numerick, who was admitted at 15 in 2002. So he held that record for a long time. He is best known probably for uh, playing Jim Morrison in The Doors, of course, for playing Doc Holliday in in Tombstone, uh, Chris Knight in Real Genius, Gay Perry in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, 
he of course was in heat he actually replaced uh keanu reeves when keanu reeves was unable to do heat anymore he also of course we covered willow earlier this year so he's also known for his work in willow and on willow is where he met his ex-wife joanne wally who ended up being joanne wally kilmer and they did an amazing terrific movie together i don't know if paula got a chance to watch it called kill me again um which if you like nope she's shaking her head no it's a really fantastic movie it's on tubi right now at least that's where it was and it's just it's a great neo-noir film so if you're looking for that i recommend that one that's kind of a more under the radar kind of kilmer film but really really good he's also known you know bell kilmer's also known for he moved to new mexico like early on um and you know i lived in new mexico for a few years and i have to say the feeling about bell kilmer in new mexico is very mixed because <laughs> He kind of goes into that group of like New Mexico is uh, is very rich and very poor and there's very little in between. And a lot of the rich is a lot of artists that moved out there. And so I think because of that, people had kind of mixed feelings on Val Gilmer. Um, and so it was very interesting living there for a while and hearing a little bit of that. So, yeah, but I think I think having throat cancer and I, I'm only speaking from watching that documentary has i don't know made him reflect on life very differently and made him see life differently and i think it's kind of made him and i'm not saying it was hard before but made him kind of a softer almost playful childlike person and i don't mean childlike like i just mean like someone who's trying to recapture that feeling of loving life does that make sense paula i don't know if you agree with me on that but yeah i do okay. yeah it's almost like he's just trying to capture that like joy mm -hmm. of childhood. Yes, exactly. That you kind of lose as you as you grow yes, older. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And he is also um, an artist, a really good artist. He's a poet. He's kind of like a you know he's kind, he's a very odd person, and I mean that in a good way. But he's a very odd, different kind of guy. So, but before we dive into his filmography, and, and I did kind of the outline a little bit different for this one, but before we dive into that and talk about his work and what roles we really like, uh, I want to just ask you, Paula, what are you into right now in pop culture? I've actually been watching the new Winchester's show. Went into that kind of cautiously optimistic, but I'm really liking what I'm seeing so far. So if you haven't haven't watched it and you were a fan of Supernatural, I would I would recommend giving it a chance. I watched the first episode. I actually live tweeted it. It was okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so busy that I'm like, maybe someday I'll watch it more. I mean, I, I watch the people reacting to it all the time. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll watch it. I gotta say, I'm enjoying the the newer characters that they brought in more than John and Mary. Yeah, I liked. Them. I love Carlos. Yes, I did. I did love Carlos from the little bit I saw. Carlos is a fantastic addition to the to the universe. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did like him a lot, and I did appreciate. You know, I know a lot of people were like, "Well, we can't." I don't like John Winchester. I think John Winchester was an abusive father. Mm -hmm. But. Oh, yeah, we can agree on but that. What I appreciated about what I did see, I will say, is I don't think John started out his life as abusive. 
I think we even saw that when we saw Matt Cohen's version of John in Supernatural. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. think it was grief mixed with PTSD from Vietnam that he never dealt with. And so I think he had so much PTSD that it turned him into, I'm not saying as an excuse, but I think that's what kind of contributed right. and alcohol. And, yeah. and so, oh, yeah, definitely. and so I, what I appreciate about this is that you're seeing all the potential for what an amazing human being he could have been mm-hmm. and how sad it is that that never happened and that Dean and Sam never got to know that father. So that's right. the interesting part, I think. Yeah. That's kind of what I was enjoying or not enjoying, but was interested in um, is seeing because yeah, you, you know how he ends up, but seeing how he gets there mm-hmm. is kind of interesting because it is a very tragic story. Yeah. So. Yeah. Really, really tragic story. Yeah. Yeah. But definitely no love for the character <laughs> later on. No, he's a horrible, horrible, horrible father. And yeah, yeah. no, no, uh-uh. uh, no excuse yeah. for what, what he put his sons through. I mean, oh, know, God, for no. me, it's especially Dean. I know he was hard on Sam too, but for me, it's especially Dean just because as everybody knows, mm-hmm. and I know Paula is the same. I will defend Dean with everything I have. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I, I won't defend Sam as much. Sorry, everybody. But... No. It's not that I hate Sam. Just Dean deserved better. <laughs> Dean always deserved better. Uh, yes, I agree. Uh, um, well, you know, I, it's, I'm i going to say what I'm into anyway. I don't care that it is has to do with an episode. We just, like, we're recording this on the day it released. I am so madly in love with Depeche Mode right now. I it's all I can listen to. And recording that episode, honestly, was like, like, it's weird. It's like, I really hope people enjoy that. And I don't mean this as like a slight at all, but I don't really care if people don't like the episode. I don't mean that in that I don't think it's a good episode and I don't want people to enjoy it. I just mean if people don't listen to it, if uh, it doesn't become as successful, if it isn't one of our more popular episodes, I'm okay with that because it meant a lot to me personally and to that person that I was when I first discovered Depeche Mode and that person that was saved in a lot of ways by that music. It means a lot that I was able to express that in an episode and have fun in that episode and laugh in that episode and express what a complete, wondrous, amazing experience it is to see them live and talk about Dave gone and how his presence on stage is uh, like undescribable. And, and like I said, it's like he's, and once again, I do not mean this as like any kind of weird, weird thing. I don't mean this weird because it may sound this way, but it's really like watching someone up there and it's almost like he's making love to the whole entire audience. <laughs> no, I, I understand what you mean when yeah, you say it's that. Like, it's the most intimate thing in a huge arena and yet it's so intimate and he's like incredible right. on stage. So being able to talk about them was amazing. And I really fingers crossed cause they're going on tour next year that they add a Colorado date or I'm able to somehow go to one of the States they're playing at and see them. Ticket prices are insanely expensive, but just, you know, I haven't seen them since 2009 and I would just absolutely love to be able to see them again in concert. 
So, yeah. So that's what I'm into. And that's what I'm going to be into probably for a while now. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Let's get into another person that I'm really, really excited to talk about. And that's Val Kilmer. So I want to know, Paula, was there a role or a film that first made you a Kilmer fan? It was the very first of his movies that I saw, which was his second role, Real Genius. <laughs> I think I was, uh, yeah, because I was I was a kid when mm. I saw it, and it was such a fun movie because you had this basically this band of misfits that um you know thwarted the evil you know authority, and it was it was funny. It was his character was just. You know, rebellious, but not in a bad way, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. And that was that was like I said, it was the first movie I saw him in, and I think I I that one would just immediately hooked me in. I was a fan. Yeah, I mean that was one of the first ones I remember seeing him in, of course. But the one that really made me a fan was actually The Doors, and I saw that when it first came out, and that was you know that was right between middle school and high school. So it was like right in that area of time. And I, I was a huge Doors fan, like huge, like the Doors was like my, before, before I fell in love with the Violent Femmes and before I fell in love with Depeche Mode and all of that, it was the Doors and in particular, Jim Morrison and Jim Morrison's poetry too. I was really, really into his poetry. And I just thought Val Kilmer was so good in that, that that turned me into a huge fan of his work. So I liked him before that, but that was really the role that made me like a huge fan. So definitely that one. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So what is it about him as an actor? Like what sticks out to you about him when you're watching him on screen? Is there something different about him as opposed to other actors possibly that you like? It's hard to put a finger on. I think it's just kind of his presence. He has this charisma and the way he just kind of melds into whatever persona he's taking mm -hmm. on for, for that character. And that always has fascinated me. Um, watching actors do that because I mean, there are some actors that they're very like you see them and they're basically just playing themselves in mm -hmm. a role, and you know it's it's just them. Um, they're not really sinking into that actual character, and he does not do that. He becomes that character, and um, I think he's even talked about it in uh, his documentary, and he also has a memoir that he talks about it a little bit too. Um, where he's um, he's he's very passionate about his craft mm -hmm. and he takes his roles very seriously. He doesn't just, you know, phone it in, so to speak. Uh, so he really um, he really tries to embody that that character and it shows. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's like he gives like 190 percent to any role he does, even like 
his role as Elvis in True Romance, even that. And you don't never see his face, really. He's always like blurred and and in shadow. And, you know, if you didn't know it was Val Kilmer, if you didn't know in the credits and you didn't, you would not know it's Val Kilmer kind of thing. And even with that, he gives that, you know, even though that's kind of an impression and not so much becoming Elvis, it's more an impression, but he still gives so much to it because he's playing it the way it should be played because he's playing Elvis as Christian Slater's character imagines Elvis and playing it kind of as a part of Christian Slater's character in a way. And so even in that little tiny of a role, he still is giving so much and playing it perfectly that he adds so much to that and even adds so much to Christian Slater's character as well. I think one thing, you know, he he did what he did when he did the doors, he lived for like a year or something beforehand, basically like Jim Morrison. He would go everywhere Jim Morrison would go, would be Jim Morrison. So method to the extreme. And I think Mm -hmm. the danger with method acting, and I think he kind of figured that out with this with Jim Morrison, is I think sometimes it can become too much to you and it can get into your psyche and you don't know how to let the character go. And he had to actually take do therapy because of how much Mm -hmm. that role impacted his life and his psyche and even though people that knew jim morrison are very very critical of that movie of course it's oliver stone so oliver stone always stretches the truth he still was so good in it that and he was sounded like jim morrison he walked like jim morrison he talked like jim morrison and so it isn't you know jim morrison was a tortured soul tortured artist so it doesn't surprise me that he kind of took that on. But that's that's what's so amazing about him is even though you can see how that might be a danger to him, it's also amazing to watch because every role is like that with him. I mean, I do think he has a very distinct voice, a very distinct way that he uses his body, uh, the way he stands, the way I was rewatching. I don't like the movie very much, but I was rewatching At First Sight the love story with him and Mira Servino mm-hmm. and uh, watching him in that even, it was like, it was a very different kind of role for him in a way at that point in his life because it was a romantic lead. And I don't think Val Kilmer's really thought of as that, especially like later Val Kilmer, maybe 80s Val Kilmer, but not later day. And that's not a, a role that he played very no, often. No, and and he played it differently than other people did. Like he added a lot of nuance to it. He was kind of odd in a good way. So I think that's what he does is he adds so many layers to his character. Like, you know, since he writes, I'm sure just, you know, the journals of like his characters getting into character or doing that or that kind of thing must be amazing. You know, even for roles that, you know, he didn't really even want to do Top Gun. That was like a contractual thing. But he's now embraced it. He embraces that role now. But at the time, he didn't. But even for that, he gave so much. Like, his jaw work in that. Which sounds weird, I know. But there's, like, a scene where he does with his the gum. Kind of, he's got gum in his mouth. And he does this jaw thing. Do you know what what I'm talking about, Paula? Mm -hmm. And it's like this. It's just this quick little thing. And you can get. The whole character in that. <laughs> yeah, I think people call that like micro expressions yes, or whatever. Yes. That, you know, it's it's something very subtle and you you really have to be paying attention mm-hmm. to 
to to who you're watching or you'll miss it and like you said it it can give a lot away of the character yeah it's like you instantly got that that macho-ness of the character and almost like not misogyny i don't want to say misogyny but this like facade of like the alpha male kind of persona yes thank you that's the word that's what we're looking for yes yes in just that little tiny movement and and that's what's so amazing about val kilmer mm -hmm. And he's always present. He's always in that character. There's never a moment that you see that slide or slip at all. So, yeah. Yeah. Did you read his autobiography or his memoir? No, I you didn't, should. Um, I um I listened to the audio book version of it, and it has um, Mayor Winningham and two other actors. I can't remember their names. They take turns alternating reading the chapters, which is really cool. Um, oh. he huh. went to high school with Mayor Winningham, and I guess they dated for a while too, but. In that he was talking about when he played Jim Morrison and how, like you said, how much he embodies that character. Um, he got so far inside Jim Morrison's, you know, psyche playing that character that he actually went to the studio and was recording the music with the Doris producer. And at a couple of points had him in tears because he was acting so much like Jim that it was just like coming naturally to him at that point. And he was saying things just the same type of things that he would say and it literally re reduced this man to tears because of you know he had worked so close with jim mm -hmm. so yeah so that is like you said a really big problem or a danger for those method actors because they can get so far into those people's psyches or the character's psyches that it can be very harmful yeah yeah i mean if you're never turning it off mm -hmm. and you're always in that character and you're always in that character's head you know, I mean, when I was acting, I know, you know, I would do certain things that like probably one of the most painful and difficult things I did in a um, in a class setting was we had to do drug addiction and mm -hmm. different levels of drug addiction. And I was playing um, alongside my partner who we were supposed to be a romantic pairing and we were heroin addicts and we were desperate for our next fix kind of thing. And that was a really, really painful place to be and a difficult place to be. But we were able to get out of it like right afterwards. Sure, yeah. Kind of thing. We just went, okay, cut the scene. We're done. We're done. Let's clear our psyche of that. Let's hug. You know, we hugged and we're like, okay, we got we to gotta clear our psyche of this because that was intense. Mm -hmm. And so I can't imagine you know, embodying somebody like Jim Morrison and having it be with you like all the time, like a lot of his characters, mm -hmm. though, not just Jim Morrison, but I think Jim Morrison more than any of the other ones. And especially the way Jim Morrison was written and the scenes in there and, you know, some of the stuff he had to do must have just, you know, taken a toll. And, and I, you know, the, the other thing you wonder is for the actors around him, and the people around him having to be in that that world too, where they might not be that way. They might be like camera rolls, they're in the character, and you cut and you yell cut, and then they're like out of the character. And but then you're with an actor that's always in the character. So that's probably a very difficult thing, I think, for some actors to be around. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've heard it before. So sure. It's like, yeah. And yeah. I think it's hard on the, on his family, too, because I think that really took a toll yeah. on his marriage yeah. as well. He he talked a little bit about that. I can't remember if it was – I can't remember if he was talking about that in the documentary. I was also watching his um, Inside the Actor Studio 
I was watching that a little bit oh, too. So yeah, he might have he might have been talking one. about it there, but it it kind of it t- kind of took a, a toll on his home life as well. So yeah, it mm-hmm. can it can really affect all of all of the people around you. Um, when you yeah. when you just you know absorb yourself in something like that, it's rough. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it can return. It can give you great performances, but it can also take its toll. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's that whole thing of. Sometimes people equate art, really good art, with struggle and, um, you know, torture, tortured emotions, I Mm -hmm. mean. And I think, you know, too often people want to equate that all artists suffer and all art should be from suffering kind of thing, you Mm -hmm. know. And I don't think that's true. I don't – I really don't. And so – but I think – I think sometimes with Val, the the impression I get sometimes when I watch him – performing is that he does take that literally i don't think he does anymore right. i that's why i really think you know i not saying that it's a good thing that he got cancer but i think that kind of humbled him a little bit mm-hmm. in a way and you can see that in the documentary for Definitely. sure you know totally a different a different person i think mm-hmm. so i know this is probably really hard to answer but what are your three favorite Kilmer rolls. It actually is kind of hard. So <laughs> first one, easy tombstone. That is hands down. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to say real genius. Cause I've always loved that movie. And the third one is really tough. <laughs> that one's hard. The same for me too. I think it's going to kind of be one of those where it depends on when you ask me right now, <laughs> I would say Willow, but ask me in 10 minutes and it could be something totally different. <laughs> Yeah, the third one is really because my two are very easy. My top two are very easy, but the third one is really hard. I, in fact, up until about five minutes ago, I was still deciding between like five different mm-hmm. roles. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, number one is Jim. Is Jim Morrison is the Doors. Uh, it still, you know, I was rewatching it the other day, and it still blows my mind that he did not win or at least be nominated for that role. It's criminal. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, the really what is. he does in that is amazing. The singing, the, the way he carries himself. And yes, it, it, it is, it's not really an imitation though. That's the thing is yes. He looks like Jim. He acts like Jim. He sounds like Jim, but at the same time, he's becoming that character. You see it in the eyes you see it in little looks he would do in um, how uh, his eyes would sometimes focus and sometimes wouldn't and how distant he kind of was from everybody else. And it was just, it's just such an incredible, incredible performance. And it will always be my favorite of his. And it just still, I just do not understand that. I mean, I know the movie got mixed reviews when it came out, but as far as I remember, everybody loved his performance. Mm-hmm. So it's just still just, it just still just pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> I'll admit that's one that I just for the first time saw yesterday. Oh, really? That was your first time watching it? That was my it? first time watching it. And um, I will say not one of my favorite films of his, but that performance was just, my God, amazing. Mm-hmm. Just unbelievable. And how he did not win an award for that? Ridiculous. I know. Absolutely know. ridiculous. Whether you like the film or not, he should have won. <laughs> he should have at least oh, yeah. been nominated. Oh, yeah. It's criminal. It's absolutely criminal. 
And another role that he should have been nominated for was Doc Holliday in Tombstone. So that's my second one. And I, I was rewatching that yesterday. And that was another reaction. I'm like, what the hell? How was he not nominated for this? Because the thing he does in Tombstone, it was so funny because Tombstone came out and Wyatt Earp, the movie Wyatt Earp came out at the same time. And, you know, that must have really sucked to be Dennis Quaid and to have to follow in Val Kilmer's footsteps with his Doc Holliday. And the thing about Tombstone, and it's no offense to Kurt Russell or any of the other good actors in the movie, but that movie suffers so much when he's not on screen because he's such a presence and he's so charismatic and he's so, like, sexy in this very different kind of way. And I think Val Kilmer is a very, very, very attractive, sexy man. But he's got this real, um, the way he moves his, holds his body. Once again, he's such a physical actor too. So the way he moves his body in Tombstone is really beautiful, actually. He's kind of a beautiful man in that. I mean, yes, he is dying. His character is dying. But there's something about it, the way he smokes a cigarette, the way he leans up against something. You know, the way he plays poker, anything like that. He does it with this slyness that's also very, very seductive and captivating. And if he's on, if he's in a scene and there are other characters there, your eyes automatically go to him, even if he's not saying anything. And it's just, it's so much fun. And I mean, everybody, you know, quotes that film still, knows that film still. Uh, it was a huge deal. I think that, I think, is the role that and probably real genius are the roles that he's probably best known for, honestly, even above the doors, because I think tombstone was such a hit be a lot because of him, honestly, you know, although I, I was rewatching him like, Oh yeah, I forgot Billy Zane is in this movie. <laughs> and I love Billy Zane. There are so many good actors in that movie. <laughs> and are. he literally steals every scene he's yes. in. And he's, I mean, Billy Zane, Kurt Russell, uh, Powers Booth, who's an amazing, he's, you know, stage and film actor. And the all villain. These, he's yeah, the villain. And he's, all of these, and he steals it from the villain. Yeah, all of these, <laughs> Michael Bine, um, all of these actors that are, you know, from the, you know, kind of old Hollywood Western movies, this amazing cast, and he steals the movie from all of them. It's um, It's so fun to watch. I know, it's amazing. It's amazing. But yeah, when I remember you know, watching that in the theater. And I think I saw it a couple times in the theater, just primarily for his performance. Mm -hmm. It was like, I don't really care so much about the other characters. I just wanted to see him. And I cried the first time I watched it when he dies. And yeah, that I'm scene sorry. still Spoilers chokes me for up. a movie that's like, <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah, it does. Yes, yes. Okay. And my third one, this is, this was so hard because yes, I, I love Real Genius. I actually really love him in Top Secret. As Nick Rivers, you know, I, I, I've his, never seen it, to be honest. You've never seen no, Top Secret? No. Oh, my gosh. You have I've, to see it. I've never really been a fan of, like, the spoof movies, but yeah. I'm kind of on a kick now of I'm, I'm trying to watch as many of his films as possible. So that's that one's going to get watched here pretty soon. See it for him. Yeah. It's it's fun. It's a fun one. So I'm torn, you know, because I, I love his performances in both those. I don't. Like, I love Top Secret because of him, not necessarily because it's, like, a good movie. Right. But, you know, because I think it deserves more attention and more love and because he's so good in it and um, he's playing a character that really 
is the good guy and kind of the guy that's being taken advantage of. And uh, so I'm going to be going with Kill Me Again. So he plays uh, someone named Jack Andrews in Kill Me Again and takes place in Reno, a lot in Reno. And like I said, it's a film noir. And he is the person who he meets. Uh, he's with his wife in this movie. So at the, at the time they were married, I mean, his ex-wife. And so Joanne Wally at the time, she was Joanne Wally Kilmer, was in this movie with him. And also Michael Matson. Michael Matson plays like the bad guy. And he, uh, Jack Andrews, who is Val's character, falls for Joanne Wally's character. And it's like, a, should he trust her? Should he not? Because he's hired by her. He's like a private eye. And he's hired by her to fake her death so she can escape Michael Matson's character. And all this other stuff happens. And so it's very much a role where it's not very showy. It's very understated. And that's why I, that's why I like it because... Mm-hmm. Val doesn't do a lot of understated stuff. Right. And so, (laughs) I mean, my other two choices are not understated at all. Mm -hmm. So it's nice seeing him do something that's understated like that. And I've watched this movie like so many times. It's one of those that I had on a VHS tape and stuff and would watch over and over and over again. And so I just, I had to pick that one because I just, Love it so much, and I think more people should watch it. So, Paula, go watch Kill Me Again. <laughs> I will. I will. <laughs> yeah, I had a really hard time with it because it was like that or uh, Ghost in the Darkness or The Saints. I love those movies, uh-huh. too. They're really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was another one mm-hmm. I was trying to decide because he's so funny in that. He's yeah. so funny in that. He's really a funny Actually, he really he is comedy really mm-hmm. well. He doesn't get those roles that much, but you could see it early on in Top Secret and Real Genius and mm-hmm. stuff. And then I think he just became like the serious actor. But he does comedy really well. He does. He has really good comedic timing. So I do want to talk about um, the documentary Val, and I know we both love the documentary, so I know that'll be your thoughts. But what are your thoughts on how the documentary is done and? Did you learn new stuff about Val Kilmer? I did. Um, I I had read his memoir first, and so I wasn't sure if it was just going to be kind of a, a rehash of the memoir, but it was actually a very different. And again, I would also suggest reading the memoir because it was also really well done. Um, he's He is very introspective. Um, and in the documentary, it was very interesting style because normally when you see a documentary about someone, it's about them. It's not by them. So this is more like in his own words. He said narrated by his son. And all of the film footage is his film footage. Uh, he constantly had a camera from the time that they, that he was a child. Um, and he's, it looks like he still you know carries that film camera around with him and just documents everything. I mean, he has a warehouse full of videotapes. And um, I think maybe journals and and just all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And so that's fascinating. And he took it as an approach more of not really about him, but about acting and about, you know, the art. And I thought that was a really interesting viewpoint to take. And you do really learn a lot about him and, you know, how he approaches things. And he does talk a little bit about uh, being considered, you know, difficult actor and whatnot mm-hmm. and he he made a comment about it wasn't him trying to be difficult you know he wasn't 
trying to be, you know, the asshole on set that, you know, this is all about me or anything. It's because he took the roles too seriously <laughs> at some yeah. points. So again, that passion for his art. And so it was, it was very interesting. And if you haven't seen it, really highly recommend it. It's so well done. And it's a bit heartbreaking too, because, you know, he does have a lot of difficulty now. And he talks a little bit about um, how some, you know, because now he, he travels around uh, the country and it's, um, he worries that, it, you know, he's going to be viewed negatively. And so far he hasn't run into that, that, it, that I can, you know, that I can tell, but he does, I think, suffer from some depression from that. And, you know, that was, it's a little hard to see, but, you know, obviously it's understandable. He's been through a lot the last few years, um, but he doesn't, he doesn't hold back. He, he, he tells you about it. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a very fascinating and enlightening look into his, his life, his art. And uh, you really see it if you haven't. Yeah, pretty much ditto. But I mean, the thing that surprised me the most about this documentary was the film footage, because I always thought of Val Kilmer as this very private, very closed off guy. And I do think he is to an extent. But having a video camera out there all the time and videotaping stuff behind the scenes like that, there's something to that to me that you know and even when he was little and younger watching those ones when he was younger and putting on shows and you know being a performer basically you know right away mm -hmm. there's something to that that i think strikes me and, and and i found this a lot throughout the documentary of of a man who desperately just wants connection with human beings yeah and i think him videotaping everything like that and um, documenting his life in that way of like, it's like he doesn't ever want to miss anything and he wants so desperately to be a part of something. And I think I got the impression, and of course this is just from my observations, could be totally wrong, that I think sometimes he doesn't feel like he's part of things and he feels kind of shut out from things or treated differently. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, so I think, a lot of those film filming that stuff and documenting everything and you know wanting to show you know all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes even in plays he's done and and you know not just films but when he's done you know theater and everything like that is because i don't think he wants to miss a moment of life and this amazing thing that he gets to do but i mm -hmm. think he also wants to be more part of it and wants to be kind of with people and find that connection. And I do think a lot of times with acting, I think when you act and when you're an actor, there is a part of that process where, because it's such, it's not a solitary thing. Acting is very much reacting and, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, you can do monologues and stuff like that, but it still it's is still very reactive. much. Yeah. It's still very much a thing where you are working with another person and I think sometimes some actors, I mean, some actors are incredibly shy. Um, some of the shyest people you will ever meet are actors. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I know that shocks a lot of people, but it's extremely true. Yeah. And when they're acting, they're not shy. And I know, like, for me, when I was acting, I was incredibly shy. And acting was like the way of not being shy and being someone that you're not. And I think for Val, I got the impression that he really, really took that to heart the part of being able to fall into another person's shoes, 
discover that other person, feel empathy for that other person. Because yes, he acknowledged he's difficult on set. And, you know, I mean, like Joel Schumacher famously hated him after they did the Batman movie. And that's why he ended up recasting Batman because he just, there was, he never wanted to work with Val Kilmer again because he was so difficult. But I think where that difficult, that being difficult thing comes from is he's immersing himself so much in somebody else's shoes that it's almost like he feels like it would be disrespectful to that character if he didn't give so much to the point of everybody being like, let's just take it down a notch. Right. And that's kind of the impression I got. And I think that's what he was saying. You know, he cares so much that he gets to the point where it's too much. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also the way he feels about the other people he's with and why he's documenting that is he's so fascinated with human behavior and human beings and how we interact with each other and how we affect each other. And um, it's almost like a spiritual thing, I think. And so those videos kind of captured that, like little moments, little uh, moments between actors, moments between people who may have to have a really tough scene to do together and them being able to bond or connect a little bit. And, you know, you would see some actors that kind of looked like, could you please put that video camera away? <laughs> yeah. And others that didn't, you know, and sometimes it'd be like, okay, Val's got his camera out again. <laughs> No, it's kind of like that. So to me, it's there's I think there's many different layers to that, but that was the most fascinating part about the documentary to me was that that he just documented everything. It was just like he just like couldn't not you know, like I think it was also like a fear that he would miss something. Mm -hmm. But I got such a deep 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 profound um sense of longing a little bit from those and longing to belong and longing for connection, human connection. I think that's, you know, that goes into being an actor, being an artist too. And I think that's why he is an actor and an artist is that trying to find that connection. So that makes sense. But yeah. yeah. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. So we've kind of already talked about what makes him unique as an actor and a little bit as a person. But I do think he's a very unique human being. Mm -hmm. um, if you follow him on social media, he's pretty unique on social media in a good way. Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, he's pretty much always very positive. I, <laughs> he's not really negative at all. He's very positive on social media. Uh, so what do you think it is that makes him so special or so unique? I know it's hard to answer. <laughs> it really, It really is. I think right now i would say it is what we were talking about before where he's kind of trying to recapture that childlike joy 
from mm-hmm. life. Um, and I think that's especially true now, you know, after his, his um, struggle with cancer and it's really impacted um, his professional and his personal life. I think he's just kind of embracing life the best he can. Um, again, he talked a little bit in his uh, memoirs about his faith. And I think that's always kind of given him just from what I've read there, a little bit of a different and unique perspective on life to begin with. And I think he's really, um, he's really embraced that now um, later in life. Yeah, it's 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 really hard know, it's to. It's a hard question. It, it really is. It really is. <laughs> he's he's someone that I would love to sit down and just have a conversation with, you know, just just about anything. Doesn't have to be his acting. Doesn't have to be you know and whatever. Just just sit in a room and and listen to him talk. Because I think that would just be fascinating and enlightening and entertaining. <laughs> Yes, uh, yes, I would. I would love to interview you, Val. I'm definitely going to be tagging you in all of this. Stuff. <laughs> um, but I would, I would love to interview you, and you know, I, just to hear in your words what your art means to you, and because, you know, I that's my most interesting thing that interests me the most. Talking mm-hmm. to people, talking to artists, is their their craft and how they approach their craft and the work they do. And so, I would just love to just talk to him and listen to him more than anything and learn from him because I think he's so unique. He's just so different in a very beautiful way. Mm -hmm. And I think even more so now watching like in the documentary when he's having like those um, water gun fight things, you know, with the water balloons and stuff. And when he dresses up like Batman with his son you his, know when they did the Batman costumes? Yeah, his relationship like the, with his children is just oh my gosh, beautiful. It makes it makes me cry. Mm-hmm. It really does yeah. because you, you know seeing a really really good parent, a really good father, and a father who I think he he respects his children so much is the what I got, and he admires his children and he looks up to his children. And I think that's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Yeah. And so that that to me is unique in a way too, honestly. Especially <laughs> and, with that yeah. um, kind of that um, time period, the the men of that, because you have that toxic masculinity of you know men mm-hmm. don't really aren't really that present in their children's lives, and he really wanted to be and strives to be. Yes. 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 And. You know, he's had some difficulties in his life for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is a very unique person. He's like, he's just unique. He's a very different human being who I think is very sensitive and maybe a little too sensitive for his own well-being at times, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just uh, really appreciate his work and who he is so much more after watching the documentary. Definitely. And it makes me look at him in a totally different light. And I, that's why I kind of encourage, that's why I really encourage people to watch it, especially if you are ambivalent about Val Kilmer, I think it might make you see him a little bit differently. And I just think it's a beautiful, beautiful documentary. And yeah. So do you, sorry, go ahead. Along with that, his memoir is in kind of that same vein. Um, And it's a little bit different than the documentary. 
Um, it goes a little bit more in depth in his growing up and going to Juilliard and his early stage career and that sort of thing. But I highly recommend that too, if you haven't read it. Um, it's it's really fantastic. Yeah, I'll definitely need to do that. Definitely. And I would I would love if there was a way for him to be on stage again, performing in theater, which I'm sure he would love to do. I would, oh my gosh, to be able to see him on stage would be a well, remarkable thing. I was just reading a thing. There's a company in Great Britain. They do AI and they have given him, I'm not sure like what the actual technology is, but they've recreated his voice as closely as they can match it. They yeah. took like early recordings and whatnot and they came up with different, um, a bunch of different, you know, voices and they, they, they were able to find one that so closely matches what he used to sound like. And they've given him that technology. So we, we might get to, you know, see more of him, maybe not on stage, but at least in film, you know, sort of sounding more familiar, but uh, which I think is just an incredible gift that they've been able to do that for him. Yes. Yes. I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, are there any other opinions on his work or any other comments you want to make or any other roles you want to call out, Paula? The Saint. If you haven't seen that movie, it's it's probably not one of his more widely liked films, mm-hmm. but he was able to play like 10 or 12 different characters, the very distinct characters in this film. And... That in itself is fascinating to watch because it kind of gives you a little bit of an insight into his process of how he was able to embody so many different characters in one film. And it was, and it's, I think it's a fun film, but that's just, that's just me. I know a lot of people weren't crazy about it. It's not one of his higher rated films, but I still think it's worth (laughs) checking out just for that alone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think he's, he's, he's really good in that. He's done so many so many things that I think people, I mean, he's done stuff where like, I didn't, I don't, I didn't see it. It was more, I had a panel on just to discuss psych, which I haven't really seen. I haven't either. But I know he was in psych and they, they pointed that out. His little role, my panel did on that one as well. Um, And so he does those kind of things. He'll pop up in things that you might not expect him to be in. Um, You know, like McGruber, the movie (laughs) Gruber being in that and other little things where it's like, wait a minute, wait, he was, this is Val Kilmer. So I think, you know, that's, that's the thing about him. Um, I would call out, it's a, it's a hard movie to watch, but the movie Wonderland, which is about John Holmes and um, it's all, it's about the porn industry and, you know, it's about the police investigation of a brutal crime scene uh, it, that involved legendary porn star, John Holmes, and he plays John Holmes um, and so it's, it's an intense watch. It's not for everybody, uh, but he's really, really good in it. I do think it's the closest role as far as like how he is in it to Jim Morrison in a way kind of okay. reminded me of that. So, yeah, so I recommend that one though. And it's, but it's hard to watch. Like I said, it's, it's not, it's not an easy one to watch, but it looks like that one's on Showtime. So, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just want to say, I just really um oh and carrie fisher's in that movie by the way oh fantastic (laughs) great carrie fisher just pointing that out but i do just want to say you know having this podcast one of the gifts of having this podcast is being able to revisit and explore 
art and um, movies and shows and artists and music that I love and appreciate so much and look at it in a different lens Mm -hmm. and delve deep into it. And it's such a gift and I'm so appreciative of it because it gives me such a different and more profound respect for the art and the artists and the films and the music and theater and everything that we consume and how art is such a powerful thing in all forms and art can change the world art can save your life art can change your views on things Mm -hmm. and i think too often you know people like to poo poo that kind of and say it doesn't have as much of a impact but it does it really does and i just just saying that as an aside that you know prepping for certain episodes and certain podcast topics and doing this podcast in general has given me such a greater appreciation for that. So, and so thank you to everyone who's joined me on things. Thank you, Paula, for joining me on this one to talk about Mr. Val Kilmer, who, um, you know, sometime we'll have to, we already talked about Willow. So go back and listen to our Willow episode. So we have talked about one of his films already, mm-hmm. possibly some other time. Maybe we'll talk about one of his other ones. If we talk about the doors, we'll definitely have to have, have to have Carla on because Carla sure. loves that movie. And so I was like, well, you must be a big Val Kilmer fan. She's like, I like him, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Jim Morrison thing. It's the Doors thing. She loves the Doors. Okay. And so yes, yes. So we'll we'll probably have to do that one. Maybe Tombstone, maybe Real Genius probably. Oh, for sure. Tombstone for and Real Genius. Gen X people. So <laughs> count me in for any yeah. of those. <laughs> maybe, maybe in Top Gun at some point. I did have a thing you know i was possibly going to do top gun since you know the maverick movie which i still haven't seen which blows my mind but have you seen it no i did watch the scene that he was in though see i haven't even watched that yeah because i actually really like top gun i mean it's i didn't (laughs) paula doesn't like top gun i i haven't (laughs) watched volleyball scene okay well Like, I'm like just going to say scene. it right now, but he was the only good thing in that movie. <laughs> I hadn't watched it since I was a kid, and I get rewatched it preparing for this, and I was like, yeah, I just, he was the best thing about that movie. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't my cup of tea. <laughs> but yeah, that volleyball scene was really good, and we were robbed of an even better one. Because <laughs> the footage that they took of that. Yeah, wasn't all um, usable, so we only got a oh, very really? small bit of that volleyball scene that we should have gotten. <laughs> I know that. I mean, everybody knows the volleyball scene, even if you don't like Top Gun. Right? People know the volleyball <laughs> scene. So, <laughs> yes, that that was a gift to 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 us all. Oh, it really was. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, with Top Gun, there is a lot of the talk of it being very of the. Um, sexual undertones and the homoerotic undertones to that movie in Mm -hmm. particular between Maverick and Iceman. So between Tom Cruise's character and Val Kilmer's character. And if, if you ever seen the movie um, and it's actually Quentin Tarantino is plays like a party goer and he's having this conversation with one of the other characters in, because there's a whole speech and people haven't even watched this movie. They just know this speech where they talk about that, about how, Top Gun is basically just Sleep With Me. This movie called Sleep With Me. I was going to say, I think I remember, if nothing else, I remember that scene where they talked about yes. it. Yes, yes. And they it talk sounds about, familiar. 
yeah, how the whole, uh, you know, movie was basically about a guy deciding, you know, you know, coming to terms with his sexuality. And in the end, I mean, although in the end he does end up with Kelly McGillis's character, (laughs) I mean, very clearly, but in the end they're like, and then it ends with, you know, Iceman saying, you know, saying you can be my wingman anytime. (laughs) (laughs) So how that just meant, you know, they, they were, they were happily in love, but I just think that's interesting because when you do watch Top Gun, especially after you've heard that monologue, there are a lot of uh, sexual undertones mm-hmm. to that relationship. There really are. There really are. <laughs> There's a lot of homoerotic subtext in Top Gun. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Whether so, intentional yeah. or not, it's there. Exactly. It's there. It's there. Well, thank you again, Paula. This has been so much fun. Oh, sorry. I almost forgot about the Six Degrees of Finn. Oh. I don't know if you did a Six Degrees of Finn. <laughs> I, do, I do have one. Okay. Okay. So what Val Kilmer movie did you connect Finn to? Tombstone. Oh, cool. So Val Kilmer is in Tombstone with Billy Zane. Billy Zane was in Titanic with Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates was in American Horror Story with Finn Rock. <laughs> Yay! Because I had to get Billy, Billy Zane. Zane in there. <laughs> I love Billy Zane. We should talk about Billy Zane I was going to say, we need Billy to do a Zane Billy Zane episode. Like- Billy Zane is, oh my gosh, he's like, he's so, talk about unique. He Mm -hmm. is a very unique person. Very. And I've heard he's nothing but an angel in real life. Like he's so sweet is what I've heard. And he used to do this thing where he had like a a network or something where they would only do like good news, like good news of the day or something like that. Mm, Okay. Kind of counteract everything. But I've heard he's just really sweet and nice in real life. And he's so unique and... You know, he can also be really, really creepy. Like, uh huh. Um, yeah. What was that movie? Yes. Oh. Uh, with Nicole Kidman. Yes. On the sea, on the ocean. How can I forget I that? I can't Dead remember. Calm. Dead Calm, Dead yes. Calm. I'm like, because I've seen that movie like 20 times. <laughs> so He's good so and creepy. creepy. <laughs> it's so creepy. So, yes, we will have to cover Billy Zane at some point for sure. Again, yes. sign me up. I'm, that down. I know, <laughs> I'm, I'm like, down for I know. that. <laughs> Paula will be there. Actually, there are a lot of our panelists that love Billy Zane. Like every time I've brought him up, every like, single panelist. Likes how can him. you I, not I, love him? <laughs> he's so different. I love Billy Zane. Okay. Well, I went with the movie Salt and Sea, which if you haven't seen that movie, that movie is flipping dark. Mm. Have you seen Salt and Sea? Mm-mm. And he's like all, it's a very different like look for him. Like he's covered in tattoos and kind of more oh, punk rock. Interesting. Look. Yeah, it's it's a it's a dark one, um, but I use that one. And B D Wong is in Salt and Sea, and B D Wong was in a number of things with Finn, but most notably in uh, The Normal Heart with mm. Finn Wit Rock. So if you want to play the listener version of Six Degrees of Finn, head on over to our website. It's a fandomthingpod dot com. Click on the page titled Six Degrees of Finn Wit Rock, and tell us how he's connected to. It's still horror up there. It's going to be there until the end of November. Uh, how he's connected to any Nightmare on Elm Street movie, any Scream movie, any Friday the 13th movie, and any Halloween movie in six degrees or less for a chance to win some merch. And while you're there, if you are Val Kilmer listening to this episode and you would like to be a guest, if you're Billy Zane listening to this episode and you'd like to be an interview guest on the podcast, I pride myself on my interviews. Go listen to them. 
I am trying to schedule interviews for next year. We are, I've been so busy. I haven't been able to schedule them. We have a change coming in the podcast that I think will actually help me be able to schedule more interviews. So I'd love to schedule some for the new year. So if you would like to be a potential interview guest on the show, uh, please fill out the contact us form there. I will get back to you as soon as I can. I am very busy about to go on vacation, so it might be a little bit before I get back to you, but please, please feel free to reach out to us via our website. You can also email us directly at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. So Paula, thank you so much again. So if you want to just tell everybody where they can find you, if you want to be found. Sure. Um, <laughs> I am on Instagram and Twitter. Had to think about that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Like, where am I? Instagram and Twitter at It's My Sandbox. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. And this is Aaron. For now, this could change with everything that's going on with Twitter. Who knows how long I will be on Twitter on my personal account. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Twitter is a mess. And yes. So, but for now, you can find me there at E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one on Instagram. at It's a fandom thing pod on TikTok at it's a fandom thing pod. Uh, like I mentioned on our Depeche Mode episode, I am working on trying to figure out a discord channel. I'm trying to figure out discord. So once I figure it out really well, cause I've been using it, I want to have a channel where listeners can go to interact and talk and discuss things and you can give us feedback, all that kind of jazz. So I am working on that. So hopefully I'll have more information about that soon. And then also remember our website, it's a phantomthingpod.com. Okay. And next week uh, we are off. So just a reminder, no new episodes. I just cannot believe I'm doing this. No new episodes for the week of the 14th. I keep going, other podcasts do this, Sarah, and it's okay. It's okay um, to take a break. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so hard uh so but i am taking a break i'm going i'm i'm going on vacation too so i'm going to be seeing magic mike live and i'm also going to be seeing finn whitrock live on stage Yay! <laughs> in 222 a ghost story in la with with frequent panelist and my good friend tiff so i'm very excited for that but the week after that we'll be back with an episode covering silver linings playbook once again we will be heavily critiquing the writer and director of that but we'll also be talking about how much that movie means to me personally. And then we're going to round everything out by talking about other things that I love, which, as I've joked, and this actually probably will happen, it's just going to be an excuse for me to talk about Depeche Mode some more. So I hope Meg and Aaron A. are okay with that because that's happening. <laughs> so until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. All Go-Guns enthusiasts! Have you seen what Sarge has released recently? These new models and attachments are sure to excite you! Outfit your desk with these meticulously crafted gun models! Guaranteed to exceed your expectations! We'll buy them back up to 100 days! Don't miss out on the opportunity to add these stunning pieces to your collection! Visit GoGuns.com now to see our new releases! Hey podcast listener! Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in Bigger Than Ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, 
the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.